What's up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Basement Hockey Podcast. Uh, today, we'll be continue on, continuing on our previous segment of free agency, and this is going to be free agency part two. Um, what's up, Adam? What's up, Kay? How are you guys doing today? I'm, hey, I'm hey. doing good. What's up? Good, good. You know what? Let's get right to the middle of things. We talked about free agency last time, and so we're going to talk. We're going to focus more on the trades. Uh, this past couple months, this past month, actually, we've seen a, a lot of shifting of the NHL landscape through the trade market. And uh, you know, let's 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 talk about the Air Call deal first. Adam, you want to start us off there? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was really interesting um, seeing that trade and the situation that Vegas is in right now because they're really up against it and they're kind of dealing from a position of weakness. So you're seeing a lot of their guys that they didn't uh, ideally want to trade uh, having to be moved off of the roster. So there's guys like Hala uh, and Miller even um, that you're not getting fair uh, value for. And um, you're only like in the Hala deal. They only got back, uh, I think it's Nicholas Roy. Yep. Um, And a conditional fifth round pick. Yeah, and a conditional fifth. So, yeah, that's a big win for, uh, um, is it Carolina? Yeah, no, I think it's a huge, huge win for Carolina. In Hala, uh, when he played uh, the 2017-2018 season, because, again, this last season, he only played 15 games. But the year before, he played 76, so almost a full season. He had 55 points. Um, And then in the playoffs, in 20 games played, he had nine points. Just a, a great move by Carolina. They've... I, I think they're really, um, really doing pretty well with these these trades and kind of targeting teams who have cap issues. Uh, it's just another fin for them, I guess. They have Aho, they have Teravina, now they have Hala. I, I think it's a really good deal for them. Um, um, and I heard an interesting thing uh, about Tom Dundon, the Canes <clears throat> owner. Apparently, he kind of gutted the scouting staff and in, I don't know, maybe a penny-pinching move and uh, put a lot of the scouting resources into more online and advanced stat measures. And according to the advanced stat community, they absolutely killed the draft and got a lot of players that, um, according to certain metrics, should have gone a few rounds higher than they got them. So um, interesting to see the moves he's making. And uh, he's obviously... Uh, with this move, uh, I think we're all in agreement that um, he hit out of the ballpark. And uh, it'll be interesting to see going forward how that uh, roster shapes up because they also got uh, Dezingle on a pretty good deal. And they yeah, obviously – sorry, Zane. They they yeah, obviously no, – Nino Niederreiter, we spoke about him, I think, last time, former teammate of Hala in Minnesota. So uh, I think they were actually line mates there. So maybe they might have a chance to play together as well. I could see them, you know, lining up with Jordan Stahl, either side of Jordan Stahl there mm-hmm. too. And uh, that might even push Ryan Dezingle down to third line winger or even being a centerman um, on third line too. And I think, but, you know, Killen has a lot of flexibility right now. And, you know, mm-hmm. we keep forgetting that this is a team that, that went to the second, or, sorry, third round. Third round, the Bo- final four. Against the yeah. Boston Bruins, right? Yep. They were not supposed to do that. And yep. they, they, they've only improved, I think. I don't think they really lost anyone significant. I think they're still waiting on Justin Williams to see if he stays or goes. But I think I don't really yeah. think that he'll make that big of a difference, I mean, aside from the leadership, <laughs> leadership factor. But, no, Adam, I think that's really interesting um, how, how you heard about that Tom Dundon thing because I remember, I think, last pod I was talking about the Ajo thing and how <laughs> the $21 million that's being paid up front to Sebastian Ajo is equivalent to how much uh, money the Carolina Hurricanes made up, up front at the gate with tickets this year. And so I wonder if that was kind of a, a cost, a cost saving move uh, with his, with his, yeah. scouting, with his scouting staff. Yeah. Who really knows? But uh, yeah. And even like um, speaking more to their roster, like Sveshnikov is going to be even better next year. And Aho, they got him locked up on a really good contract now. And you can only um, expect bigger things out of Table t- Table Turbine too. You know, him yeah. and Aho just work work like bread and butter together. Yeah, that's another player that they kind of um, got from a team that was dealing from a position of weakness in uh, Chicago, and they're cup- up against the the cap yep. ceiling. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, some really um, shrewd moves, but uh, yeah, it looks for sure. Pretty we, good so far. Do we want to quickly yeah. talk about Miller as well then? Uh, yeah, yeah, might as well. So Colin um, Miller uh, to Buffalo for a second-round pick in 2021, fifth-round pick in 2022. I think incredible 
deal for Buffalo. Again, uh, another offseason where they look like they're going to be able to compete next year. We'll see, uh, we'll see come the actual season. Always seems like Buffalo has a good team with some great players, and then they don't really kind of maintain that uh, throughout the season and, and fail to make the playoffs. But uh, yeah. I, I think a, a good move. I think Buffalo looks really good on paper. I, mm-hmm. I'm just, just saying, I'm having a peek at their lines right now, and man, like how how do you not how do you not make the playoffs with this lineup, right? Um, mm-hmm. Rasmus Dahlin will be another, especially on their decor. Rasmus Dahlin will be another year older. Ristolainen is you know as as almost consistent as as it can get. Um, I think that the acquisition of Brandon Montour last year was quite essential. I think Montour is going to have a great season this year for them, and uh, just adding Colin Miller to the mix will provide them with so much more depth and. I think Colin Miller will be a great addition to their first power play line, uh, lineup too, to play alongside Rasmus Dahlin, or maybe even just unseat him too for that, that number one PP spot um, to make space for, you know, a guy like Marcus Johansson or Kyle Laposo on this on the first on the first line, so they can use four forwards and one D. Um, but yeah, no, I think this this was a huge trade win for the Buffalo Sabers. Um, Colin Miller is a great asset. I kind of hope that he would come to Edmonton. He'd be a great fit, I think, alongside Chris Russell, but. Um, but to that, Zane, I say that I think me and you, uh, even though we'd both love to see Colin Miller, I don't think Vegas would uh, trade with someone in the same division. Yeah, I think that's that, that's a huge factor. Um, right. Yeah, especially when Vegas is pushed up against the cab. They don't want yeah. another Pacific team to kind of, you know, they don't want to make another Pacific team better so that they have a harder time making exactly. playoffs with such a tight cap, right? So Exactly, because yeah. we know the Canucks were willing to give up a first for JT Miller. So, um Right, I I just the market was there. It was it was exactly a, it was a seller's market, right? But then again, it's Buffalo. You never know how it's going to work out. Another season, another new GM, um, another coach. You know. Yeah, and also I really like that Joe Anson move. They got him on a pretty good contract yeah, there. Great contract. Yeah, I think they did the I think they did the right thing by waiting a couple of days to sign your Joe Hanson and and get him locked up on on a, on a team friendly team friendly deal. Yeah. Do you guys know anything about Casey Middlestat? Um, I, I know he was he, – I think he played in college. Yeah, um, I remember him, like, he got drafted really high. He was drafted and, eighth overall, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he um, absolutely, like, killed uh, in the juniors. Yeah, he, he did. There was, like, some, really like, well. sickles from, like, yeah. training camp, I feel like I saw a few years ago. But – Okay, so um, 25 points, uh, 77 games. So not bad at all. 12 goals, 13 okay. assists. Um, that was his rookie season? Yeah. Okay. All right, yeah. So, yeah, eighth well, overall, yeah. 2017. I guess they're going to go up from there. He's going he's, uh, centering that line with – I'm interesting if – I'm interesting to see if Sherry can um, – you hear that? Uh, Connor Sh- – Sherry, he mm-hmm. wanted his name to be pronounced Sherry. Yeah, that's how it's like Sherry that. instead of Sherry. Um, <laughs> yeah. Interesting. It's like yeah. it's like Sekera and Sekera. Is it? What is it? I, well, originally people called them Sekera, but now I think Andre Sekera and people Sekera. have been saying Sekera release uh, recently. Um, mm. I don't know what it is. That's an Eastern European thing, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, should we move on to the next trade, boys? Um, yeah, next trade that was this is a, a pretty big trade, I think, uh, shifting a little bit of power from the east to the west, which was Phil Kessel. Um, this uh, for, the 40 goal scorer, consistent 30 to 40 goal scorer going to the Phoenix, or I mean, sorry, excuse me, Arizona Coyotes. Um, in exchange for defensive prospects, uh, Pierre Olivier Joseph. And Alex Galchenyuk, who is also a, an important part of this of this deal, and a fourth round pick. <laughs> um, my, my mistake. Um, Kay, do you want to start us off there? With, yeah, sure. Uh, Kessel, he's your boy. You you look up to him, don't you? I do. I love those right handed snipers. I I think Phil Kessel's a great player. Um, everybody who's laughing about uh, him uh, him being able to like eat hot dogs in Arizona, he is he is in my opinion the most physically gifted player in the NHL. Um, I, I just, I think he's incredible. I think that personally, I, I think that Phoenix got a really good, uh, really good deal here. We know that there were some issues um, with Kessel and, and there was some 
stuff that came out about him and, and Rutherford not seeing eye to eye and masking for trades. And he said he didn't and, and this and that. I think it's a great deal for the, the Coyotes. I, I really think it is. Um, I understand that Pittsburgh's getting a, a younger player in return and a, uh, a good prospect um, as well as a, a pick, but Phil Kessel is, is Phil Kessel. I think he's an elite player, elite sniper. Yeah, he gives them a different uh, a different dimension. I, I would think. I don't think Arizona has had uh, a player as dynamic as him and as 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 clutch offensively as as he is. I think that I think it was worth giving up Galchenyuk, given you know this guy. He's now an NHL journeyman in his early parts of his career, and I think this is his third team in his third year, and um, they they just couldn't get what they what they wanted out of him. Unfortunately, um, Montreal definitely looks a lot better out of that trade with uh, acquiring Max Dormy for Galchenyuk. But I do think Arizona will have a different dimension to their game now. Um, they'll be more of an off-the-rush team, I think, especially with Kessel. Whatever team Kill, uh, Phil Kessel plays on, he instantly makes them an off-the-rush team and dangerous, um, streaking into the blue line on the on that right wing, his signature snipe pot shelf. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, and again, Arizona needs the goal scoring. They do, they do. They, it's not an egregious trade by any means. I, I think that Pittsburgh is fine here. They didn't get fleeced or anything like that. Yeah, Pittsburgh's um, roster looks really good right now still. Yeah. Like I guess whenever you have players like Crosby and Malkin on your first and second line, like it's it's never gonna be bad. And like on that first line, um maybe they'll put McCann or maybe even Galchenyuk there. And then sure. uh you got Gensel on that right side. Um and then uh Bugstad from last year last year's trade and pretty solid team overall, I think, except for like that bottom pairing. They got Jack Johnson and Eric Goodbranson, which is <laughs> god awful. But Kay's favorite. Um but yeah. you guys what do you PTSD. guys think of <laughs> what do you guys think of how Galchenyuk's gonna fit into Pittsburgh? Do you guys see him succeeding there, finally finding finding a home for him to stay for a few years and finding a He's role? like an above average player. So like but do you think I he'll know, live I... up? He'll live up to those third overall standings that um, that he that was placed upon him when he was picked by Montreal that high in the first round. I think with a third overall pick, you're expecting someone who, like, they're the person who's driving the play and um, creating the offense and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has not shown the ability to do that at an elite level. And I think in Pittsburgh, um, he won't have as much responsibility to create all the offense. And I think he'll really uh, flourish in that environment because all the onus isn't just going to be on him. Like he's going to have very elite line mates. Mm-hmm. He'll be able which to he hide. didn't have. I think, he'll be able, I think he'll be able to hide too in this lineup too, behind guys like Crosby and Malkin. I think some people won't really see the deficiencies as much in his game as, as you could see them in Arizona, given he was under such a That's magnifying a good glass. And even in Montreal, I mean, you know, everyone can... There's deficiencies in everyone in Montreal. Uh, yeah. From the perspective the of fans. the nature of the market. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think that he'll be able to hide, you know, under the shadows of Crosby, Gensel, Malkin. But who knows? I could see him being and, a, yeah. good, a good depth player for the Penguins. I, I no, think... I, yeah, yeah okay, well, go ahead, go ahead. Go no, ahead, and like ahead. Adam said, it's it's they have McCann now, right? Galchenyuk. There's some young players that they haven't really. Uh, I guess with McCann, they didn't give up much, but there's some young players here that that I think they can really uh, really start to add to their core and and maybe find something in there for the future. Yeah, uh, people yeah. like the shit on uh, Jim Rutherford, but I think like. Overall, like he's definitely had some bad signings with Tanov, and I guess we should shouldn't say bad. Like right now, it looks bad, but who knows? Maybe it'll work out. But Jack Johnson and Eric Goodbranson, I guess he got that through the trade. But overall, like I feel like it's a bad rap. Like the team looks pretty good, and you're navigating um, an environment where you have massive contracts with Crosby, Malkin, and. Uh, Latang. So it's just a testament to how good of a job he's doing balancing all that. Yeah, I just want to touch really quickly on the on the Phil Kessel rejection to Minnesota and how he wouldn't waive his no trade clause to Minnesota. 
what are you guys' thoughts on that? How do you think that he would have fit in with, with, with the Wild? And how do you think Zucker may have uh, fit in with the Penguins? Obviously, Jason Zucker has received a lot of criticism lately. And I kind of feel bad for him. He's always in trade talks. And poor guy, if he ends up in the season, starting the season with the Wild, then it might be a little awkward starting showing up to training camp, don't you guys think? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that uh, he would have fit really well in that lineup as well. Um, but I, those uh, the rumors came out before um before free agency right mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i guess i guess um they addressed that with um matt zuccarello right but rutherford is uh, also a very like a very bold gm he has no he doesn't really have any fear about talking to media dropping some leaks just to kind of get people thinking one way or another and he just has that tenacity with that so yeah. I, I don't know if that's really fair to jason jason zucker and phil kessel themselves but i mean yeah I, I don't think Phil Kessel would have fit in with Minnesota there. But would you right. rather Jason Zucker or Alex Galchenyuk? I would have preferred Jason Zucker. I think that the Pittsburgh window is, is you know, it's still open, but it's coming to a close here. And Zucker is at the point of his career where he's, he's, at the, he's almost at the climax, right? And he's about to hit the decline. And um, I think Galchenyuk is more of like a, a younger option for a team like Minnesota who is young and up and coming. Um, so I think that Pittsburgh would have benefited more from Jason Zucker. But... Galchenyuk's 25. That's He's getting right into the prime of his career. I think it still works out pretty well for Pittsburgh in that sense. And, like, you don't want to be uh, a team where after – like, I feel like Pittsburgh, um, some people might say, like, after Crosby and Malkin, it's just going to be rebuilding for right. a long time. And – that may be the case, or uh, you can try to find younger players that and develop them into kind of uh, successors and um, build that dynasty that consistently makes the playoffs and totally. uh, build a legacy in, in that sense. Yeah, totally fair. I think I just think that Jason Zucker would just fit Pittsburgh's mold a little bit better, just given that they already have a good combination of young guys. And I think he would add to that older mix like Crosby, Malkin, um, Russ, Latang. I think he would kind of add to that that experience side. I think he's one of those depth players in, in, in the playoffs that can make those huge plays for you and just come up clutch in overtimes and, and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, let's move on to the next trade, guys. Um, Adam, let's address um, the Avs trades. Do you, you want to talk about Burakovsky first and then go into yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the so, Kadri uh, base? The first, uh, first trade we made was... Um... There's Andre Burakovsky for Scott Kosmachuk uh, around two pick in 2020 and around three pick in 2020. So uh, Kosmachuk is a uh, prospect that probably won't amount to anything. Um, so essentially the second and third rounders for That's harsh, uh, man. Just, just uh, crushing his dreams like this. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> He's 25. No like, shame. No his, shame. Uh, his highest scoring season in the AHL is uh, 23 points in 54 games. So it's not bad. Almost what? What? Zero point four PPG in the AHL. That's not bad. I don't know. He's he's probably not doing much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's doing more than us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> A lot of people are. <laughs> Um, so anywho, yeah, so second and third rounder for, uh, an RFA who they recently signed to a one-year $3.5 million deal. Borkovsky has been, uh, a player that Washington fans consistently wanted more out of. The sentiment was like, this will be the year every year. And he kind of never really broke out into that 60 point, uh, guy, consistently in the top six and whatnot. But in Colorado, um, he's going to have a chance to play with better line mates than um, his last season in Washington. Um, because his last season in Washington, he was mainly on the, the third line. Um, not too hot of a stat line. 12 goals, 13 assists, 25 points in 76 games. So that doesn't look that great. But his best season was uh, 38 points in uh, 79 games. So, I don't know. I think 
if he can get to 40 with Colorado, I'll be happy with that. Like, we're not paying him that much, 3.5 mil. Um, and if he's playing with um, – I can definitely see him moving up uh, to the first line mm-hmm. maybe and slotting in with McKinnon and Ranton and, and uh, being the benefactor of some really good playmakers there. I just want to touch um, back on like on, on Burakovsky's day with, with Washington before we go further with that. But wh- what do you think it was that, that made him so expendable in Washington? Because just a couple of years ago, he was playing top-line minutes alongside, alongside Ovechkin. And, I know it's very concerning. <laughs> yeah. So, like, what, do you think do you think Colorado is, is taking a bit of a risk on him here, or um, you know, do we see like a player trying to trying to trying to fall off his horse here, or, or what do you think? Yeah, well, it's definitely a risk. Um, like, I I think uh, he's definitely in moments where he's showed up. Like their cup run, he was pretty Playoffs, good. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So. I don't know. It's hard to say. He's been pretty inconsistent in his career so far. He's still really young. So I don't know. I feel like Washington may have thought he was expendable with uh, the players that they signed, like their third line now. Like there's not really room in their top six anymore for him because um, there's Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Wilson, and then Verona, Baxter, Moshi. Like he's not going to get into there. So uh, a lot of times I feel like people force like those um, guys that have high-end skills but um, aren't those like um, back-checking players into third-line roles because there's not enough room in the top six. And uh, I think that was the – I feel like that was the case with uh, Yakupov as well. Yeah. Um, but – and they just don't belong there and it benefits no one really. And like Colorado has space in their top six – like after our first line, we're we're pretty weak going into this off season, so I think it benefits both uh, both sides. Mm-hmm. No, for um, sure. Do you think? Do you see him playing with Donskoy and Kadri, or or do you see kind of him kind of having more chemistry with Tyson Jost? Or um, I see first line. I see first line with yeah. McKinnon. Do you think Jared Bednar finally splits up those three to have a more balanced attack? Just just he spread has that split, out. He has split them up before. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. But in the playoffs, didn't he kind of just result to them because result to those three together? Because that's that 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 was that gave them their best chances of, of, of getting past um, San Jose yeah. and Calgary, right? Yeah, and then uh, I think we should touch on the Kadri deal first, for and sure. then we can kind of talk about uh, those lines. So uh, Kadri. That was the big, uh, big trade. I don't know. What you guys said that was the biggest trade of the. Uh, I think it was between that and and, and the Kessel deal, in, in my opinion. Yeah. I think those are two, those are two yeah, big big deals because East West, um, power kind of changes a little bit there too. But yeah, so the deal was uh, Kadri and Callie Rosen and the third round pick in twenty twenty from Toronto to Colorado for. Tyson Berry, Alex Kerfoot, and the sixth-round pick in the 2020 draft. So I really like this deal. I think it works well for both teams. It's a win-win uh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Col- they're both. Um, they both had luxuries, I guess, in that um, Toronto had too many uh, centers, and that was making Kadri their three C, and Kadri. Is a set, as a two C on most teams, mm-hmm. so they're dealing for a position of strength there. And then Colorado had Tyson Berry, who's uh, going to be a UFA next year. They have a lot of puck moving defensemen coming up um, that are in the same or similar mold to Berry, and um, they're also dealing in a position of strength there. So we swap those guys and. Um, uh, and then Colorado sweetens the pot, I guess, with uh, Alex Kerfoot, who is um, he's a I think he's probably going to slot into Kadri's role uh, with Toronto, uh, maybe that three C. He's a pretty solid forward, defensively responsible. He's a good playmaker. He tends to shoot uh, right into the goalie's chest, really often oh, so accurate. Very accurate yeah i know that's a that's kind of a area that his shot is definitely uh an area of uh that he could work on but um the trade overall for colorado i think the ideally the lines uh they would split up um that big three at the top 
And uh, I think you keep McKinnon and Randon together because they have a lot of chemistry. And then maybe put Burakovsky up there. And then uh, Bednar said that he wants Kadri and Jost to play together and maybe moving La- uh, Landeskog down with Kadri. Mm-hmm. And so you see uh, Donskoy on, on, on the third line then? You don't really see him elevating? Yeah, I see. Don- Just to start the season, I feel like he can definitely get there. But right. uh, I feel like Donskoy might replace uh, Jost because like a lot of Jost being on the top six is where he was drafted and the potential they see in him. But right. Donskoy is more of the real thing, I think, if given the opportunity. Right. Um, what do you think about the, the Avs D with the loss of Tyson Berry? Do you think Callie Rosen solidifies him and allows Kale McCarr to kind of take over where, where Barry left off? Or do you think that there's still a hole for the Avs on, on the back end there? Yeah, I think um, McCarr is uh, going to drive the play in a similar way as uh, Tyson Berry. Like, right now, he's even slotted with um, Zadorov, which was uh, Barry's position for a lot of the season. Wasn't Zadorov um, supposed to get traded? There's a lot. There's been a lot of rumors for Zadorov, and also he only got a one-year deal, so kind of an interesting move. Um, and Zadorov is a bit more expendable, uh, especially with Bowen Byram and right. uh, Connor Timmins. Timmins. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. And mm-hmm. just about the trade from, I guess, an unbiased perspective, Originally, and I'm sure a lot of people felt the same way. I thought, okay, this is a great deal for Toronto. They got Barry, they got Kerfoot, who's a 40-point player with some upside. And, of course, Barry's a great player. But when you look into it, and and still I think it's a great deal for um, Toronto, but when you look into it a little bit further and you kind of dig a little bit uh, below the surface, Colorado is paying 10.8 million dollars for a 1C and a 2C. For the next three years, I think, and one of those is arguably the second best player. Exactly. In the league. So that's mm-hmm. that's that's incredible to be paying under eleven million for the next three years for a one and a two, and then also Barry only had a year left, right? On He's essentially contract. a rental. So exactly. So they yeah. give up an expiring contract. They now have a one and two C for again ten point eight million, which is which is crazy. Colorado. That's what yeah, exactly. uh, one player is making. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> I, I think that even though initially I may have felt, okay, Colorado lost this trade, when you actually look at it, there's no way you can lose when your one and two C are locked up for 10.8. No and and I think Toronto does well too here. They get Barry for, for a year. He's he's definitely going to strengthen their decor. He is a very good player. And Kerfoot can find a spot. And uh, like you said, in that role that Kadri uh, had and, and he's good defensively he has offensive upside um, again you don't put 40 points up without having some sort of upside and, and maybe he finds a home in Toronto yeah and they already signed him like I think it was four years 3.5 mil was the deal okay yeah no I think I think the abs will be huge players at the trade deadline too in this next year I think they'll definitely be pushing for playoff spot if not guarantee a playoff spot and I think with yeah. the cap space they have, they have they have the ability to really make a push. I think, especially at the trade yeah. line, there will be some expiring UFAs out there, and I think they'll be able to take a chance on them without having to sacrifice their future, given that they have so many defensive prospects and some picks coming up here too. So, yeah, you know. and I think a big benefactor is JT Comfort out of this because he signed actually the exact same deal, four years, three point five mil as Kerfoot. So um, I feel like. Sakic had the option maybe um he values Comfer more and I feel like this year will really be a coming out party for Comfer um because in the playoffs he really showed up um and he slated and in on the of... first power play unit there too that's what I'm yeah and he really has like uh some high-end skill that he'll get the opportunity to show off yeah I'm kind of excited to see where he takes off to as well yeah um... But yeah, let's, yeah move on to, let's, let's move on to the mm-hmm. next trade here. Um, yeah. Alex Nylander moving from getting a new change of address from Buffalo to Chicago in exchange for uh, um, Henry Yoki Haru. I think that's how you say it properly. Yeah. Yoki Haru. Um, Yoki Haruji. Yeah. Kay, you want to you wanna talk about it first? Yeah, sure. Um, I don't really know what Chicago is doing here. You have a, a defenseman, a great prospect. He's young. Um, he was putting up, I think it was uh, turn 20 
recently, and he had 17 points in 30 games in the AHL. Again, just a great defensive prospect. I don't know why Chicago wanted to get rid of him just for Alex Nylander, who from what I've... I'm not going to call someone who was drafted two years ago a bust. I don't think he's a bust, but someone who hasn't necessarily lived up to the top 10 potential. Um, I think he went eighth overall. I just, I, I don't really get it. Also, fun fact that I read, Bowman has now traded every single first round pick he had uh, from 2011 to 2017. I saw that too. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> so it was Mark McNeil, Philip Deneau, Tivo Teravine, and Ryan Hartman, Nick Schmaltz, Henry Yokiharu. I don't, I don't really get why he's doing this. Um, you have Seabrook and Keith, who, again, we all know their contracts. We all know their age. Why do you want to get – I, I shouldn't say get rid because you're getting a player in return, but why do you want to give up this young defensive prospect like that? Defensemen are, are worth more than yeah. forwards – what are you doing? It's it's it what it shouldn't have been a one for one trade. Even if you want to trade him, you could have gotten way more on on the market. I don't really get it. Yeah, it's especially surprising being that they um, didn't select Byram with that pick, as uh, a lot of people were thinking that um, their D prospect pool is pretty um, pretty weak right now, but at least they have two solid guys with Bulkfist and Yoki Haru. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's why they didn't pick Byram, and then they end up dealing uh, dealing with Yoki Haru, and then now he all is left is uh, Bulkfist. So yeah, I don't know what's gonna happen there. Yeah, this is uh, very questionable. The Calvin DeHaan deal was good. Yeah, they made a good acquisition with that, but. Yoki Haru really showed a lot of potential last year, I thought. Um, no, he didn't score a goal. He was a minus seven. But this is a guy who was picked in the first round in 2017, not too long ago. And it looks like he's been developing fast. And I think, I think, I personally think Buffalo won this deal because they're getting a valuable defenseman and they're adding to their already stacked up core. That's, you know, that's Montour, Darlene, Ristolainen, Colin Miller, um, Jake McCabe, and now Henry Yoki Haru. Like, it's a, it's a logjam at D there, and it's a it's a position of strength for the Sabres now. And so I think... they're practically sorry to interrupt, but they're practically the same PPG in the AHL. And one's a defenseman, and one's a forward. <laughs> Isn't that sad? Yeah. Zero point five six PPG for Yogi Arju to zero point like six four PPG for uh, Nylander. I, I don't really get it. Yeah, but I think when 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 Nylander was drafted, I think a lot of hype behind him was being the brother of William Nylander too, and just the hype that kind of came with him too, was what led him to being drafted so high too. And I I, I also think that Buffalo tried to rush him too um, by putting him in the lineup. I think right after his his, his rookie year, um, then getting sent down to the HL, just not having not having been able to stay consistently with the big team, going back and forth and. I just don't think he's been playing. I don't think he's been given the right opportunities to succeed with Buffalo. Whereas I think what Chicago is hoping for here is they're they're hoping to turn this guy into a Dylan Strome, <clears throat> whom they acquired from the Arizona Coyotes last year too. So, but yeah, no, I think Stan Bowman was uh, going for a Dylan Strome kind of deal like he pulled off last year. And uh, but all in all, I think Henry Yokiharu is definitely the more desirable asset here. And I think the Sabres absolutely fleeced the Blackhawks in this deal. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, all right. Next up, we got the uh, Zaitsev CC swap. So that deal was uh, Ottawa trades uh, CC Aaron Luchuk and Ben Harper and a third round pick to Toronto for Michael Carsone, Connor Brown, and Nikita Zaitsev. Carcone? I think it's Carcone. Or Karka, oh, that's a I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, yeah, I think I think I'll speak to this one first. Um, I, I think the the big part of this deal is Connor Brown. Zaitsev is a great is is, a, is an average defenseman, but I think Connor Brown will slot in really nicely in, with the Ottawa young players. Like, um, I, I think that he was underrated in Toronto. He kind of got hid behind the guys like Matthews and uh, Tavares and Marner. Uh, and, and and Hyman especially too. I think Hyman really elevated his game past Connor Brown's part. But I see Connor Brown really pushing through with the Ottawa Senators, especially on a team that lacks a lot of experienced talent. I think Connor Brown will make a huge impact and play first line power play minutes. And I don't think 
I think the Leafs were kind of forced into making this deal too because of the mm-hmm. cap crunch. And yeah. and, and, and yeah, it's exactly. really it's it's really interesting to see this year how we've been seeing a lot of swapping between provincial rivals like 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 Ottawa and Toronto. That's yeah, like very interesting. Yeah. Ron Hainsey going to Ottawa as well as as Zaitsev. Uh, uh, sorry to to Ottawa as well as Zaitsev and. Uh, you know, we like we'll get to it later, but we we'll see um, Lucic and Neil swap places. And then we see Talbot and Mike Smith switch places, mm, which is yeah. quite interesting to see. Which we never we don't really see those those those, those exchanges very often. But uh, yeah, to, to, yeah, exactly. No, you're exactly right. Um, and, and to me, there's not much to it. Like you alluded to, um, it's a it's a Toronto gets more cap space, Ottawa gets the better player, I think, in Zaitsev over CC. They they get a little bit more skill. Toronto gets a little bit more relief with cap, and it is what it is. I, I don't really see much else there. Do you guys yeah. know much about Ben Harper? I've heard I've heard rumblings about him, and he's kind of rising through the ranks recently. Uh, not too sure. I'm yeah, just I'm pulling sure up his hockey that. DB. Um, so last year, oh jeez, last year with the Sens, he played 51 games. He had four assists and one goal for five points. So I think maybe the hype behind him was, was maybe his years in the, in the OHL for the Guelph storm. That's what it looks like. Maybe that was and, it. <laughs> and, and, no, but also in the, in the AHL, he scored 81 points for the, for the senators and the, for Binghamton. Binghamton. Wow. How do you say that? I think you're looking at his pins, <laughs> no, not that's points. His pins. Yeah. You're looking at his pins, oh, not his points. Dumbass. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> But still, that wasn't a bad season. Twenty-seven points in sixty-three games. That was his uh, career high for sure. So you, yeah. picked, you picked the right one. You just got the wrong stat line. Yeah, okay, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I I uh, put some wrong. grit into the lineup if they ever need that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely like just by looking at his stat line. Don't know anything else about him, but um, I feel like it's a dying breed. Those uh, guys who just put up the pims and not much else. So, Adam, to you, he's another 24-year-old with no hope of making the NHL. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh. And, yeah, and just like uh, what you said about uh, Connor Brown maybe being on their first-line power play, like, man, your team must fucking suck if Connor <laughs> Brown is on your first power play unit. No kidding, yeah, I know. Um, guys, you know, as on the topic of Ottawa, uh, let's talk about the Artem and Nisimov deal. Um, that just happened a couple of days ago, actually. Um, anybody want to talk about that one first? I guess, you know, Zach Smith, who was kind of falling through the ranks in Ottawa, was placed on waivers earlier that year and um, ultimately yeah. became assistant captain at some point and then was yeah. evidently shipped off to Chicago for Artem Anisimov, who who's had some good years playing alongside Patrick Kane, but... Um, yeah, I think that's a similar kind of um, situation as uh, the Zaitsev of CC deal. Like Anisimov's the better player, um, Smith has the lower cap hit, um, and uh, Chicago really needs uh, as much cap relief as they can get. No, for sure. Um, what do you guys see um, Artem Anisimov slotting in for the Senators there? Is he probably playing with Connor Brown on that top line? <laughs> I don't know. Their roster sucks right now. <laughs> like, I like it's. It, they might be entertaining to watch because there's a lot of um, a lot of their young prospects on there, like Kachuk and White and Batherson, and uh, I guess uh, Thomas Shabbat and Eric Brandstrom. Who I'm really interested to see uh, how he turns out. It looks um, like they have a lot of wash-ups here in Ottawa too. Right? Yeah, like, like they're Bobby not going to be a good team this year. Mikel and, Bodker. Tyler but, Ennis. Yeah, but the draft is supposed to be very good. So I guess people say that every year. But Lafreniere is supposed to be uh, generational, as they say. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see him go to Ottawa if they get that number one overall pick. Yeah, I feel like it's definitely a, a tank season. Shit, I uh, forgot that they still have Marion Gabrick on their injured reserve. Jeez. <laughs> um, um, okay, so I guess we have uh, one more trade to talk about. Yeah, um, uh, I'll t- I'll talk about this one. To, from the yeah, you're the expert. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I actually just wrote about this and released an article with the hockey writers. Oh. Um, there's a big plug to my article wow. there. Um, you can go search it up. It's why James James Neal is going to make a bigger impact on the Oilers than Milan Lucic. You know, I'm going to just straight up say this. I think this is like the Oilers' first big trade win since like the 2013 trade where we got David Perron from the St. Louis Blues in exchange for Megan's play RV. 
I would agree I with that. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. think I don't think we've had a trade that's really worked out for us, but that's looked really this good on paper. <laughs> because you know, we, we we trade two disgruntled forwards for each other, and at the end of it, you're pretty much trading a big bad bruiser away for a twenty plus goal scorer <laughs> who's almost going to score you, uh, guaranteed twenty goal scorer. So I don't see how we lose out on this deal, especially on a team who's lacking offense with Connor McDavid with Leon Drysaddle. Um, so I'm just going to straight up say we we fleece the Flames here. I think the only thing. Only thing that I don't like about the seal is how we're retaining twelve point five million dollars or twelve point five percent 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 of, of Lucic's salary. But at the end of the day, if that's what it takes to get Lucic out of town, then then so be it. I'm okay with that. So technically, yeah. we end up paying James Neal about six million seven, like six point seven five million dollars. But at the end of the day, I think it's worth having someone a little bit more dynamic than someone more stagnant like Lucic. Yeah, there's a lot more potential there for uh, in Neil as someone who can play in your top six over Luch. And yeah. uh, a lot's been made of the past few seasons. Neil hasn't had a full off season to uh, recover because he went to back to back, sorry, back to back Stanley Cup finals. Right. Yes. Lost both times. Sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I hope he doesn't bring that. Hope he doesn't bring that curse with us with him to, to yeah. us. But I, I yeah. think that. I, a lot of people think that James Neal is going to be playing with Connor McDavid, but I, I honestly don't. Yeah, think what do you so. think the lines are going to be right now? No, so here's how here's how I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be uh, Mike McDavid centering Zach Cassian and Leon Drysaddle. Um, and you know, you can go read my other article to see why I think about Zach Cassian, why I think Zach Cassian is going to play on that first line. But I think what's going to be interesting is seeing that Edmonton Oilers second line really develop throughout the year. And I think it's going to be Nuge, James Neal, and and I have high hopes for a prospect named Tyler Benson, who I played ball hockey against, actually. He was picked 32nd overall in the 2015-2016 draft. Well, I think 20, 2016 draft. Yeah, he played for the Giants. Yeah, I think, yeah, he played for the Giants. Played pretty well there. He's he's had some tough injuries uh, over, the, over the past couple of years. But I see Tyler Benson hopefully slotting into that top six and, and, and being a dynamic force because he had a great year last year in the AHL. I think he put up something about 69, 60 points or so. Yeah, um, and his no Yeah, that's a that's a tough call. That's a tough call. I I I, I hope Holland gets it gets it figured out with him and convinces him to stay and sign on a friendly deal. But you want him to stay? I I want him to stay. I I, I really hope he stays and and just is okay with going to the minors and playing for a little bit. I think he's being an entitled son of a gun. Um, oh. I, oh no, you uh, did it! Yeah, you told uh, me. <laughs> uh, I, I know I'm a little being a little bit tough on him, but I mean, you haven't really produced, and you can't just like demand a trade for not having given, been given the opportunities. You have been given the opportunities, and when you go down to the AHL, you're not producing, and for some reason, the team is bringing you back up. <laughs> like it, it doesn't make any sense to me. So I think he really needs mm-hmm. to earn his bread in this league, and um, I would love to see him just. Elevate into that top six to play alongside Nuge, to play alongside McDavid at some point, but uh, it's it's hard to say. But I think the Neil deal will be will be really good for us. I think yeah. he's going to be. I'm Neil interested Neil to James see. Neil. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested to see how this uh, Gaetan Haas turns out. Yeah, I, I'm not really a big fan of like overseas players coming over to the NHL and kind of giving Don Cherry over here. <laughs> One and no, I'm saying I don't like how they come that's over and just <laughs> oh, wow, that's for a year and then go back. Like um, Nygaard, hey, these goddamn Europeans <laughs> taking our jobs. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I don't really, I don't really see much coming out of Gaetan Haas. I could see him kind of being a fourth liner, maybe a guy playing on top liner in the minor leagues. But um, he, he has played for the Swiss national team. Um, a little bit over the past couple seasons and has produced a little bit at the international level. But um, I see kind of Jujar Kaira taking that, that third line center spot. Um, yeah. And being that permanent spot, or maybe even Cooper Marodi. I could see them. Kinda, Cooper Marodi. He, uh, he played on the minors last year for us and got, a, he got, I think he played about 20, 30 games for us last year too. Um, yeah. You know who would look good on that second line? Who? Uh, Taylor Hall. Yeah, he, he would look really good, wouldn't he? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. here's the thing. Edmonton has a lot of cap space next year um, in the offseason. 
Oh, could a reunion be in the works? You never know. You never know. And let's say James Neal doesn't work out. His his buyout ends up being a one point eight million salary cap hit, and then he can get exposed to Seattle, and uh, that 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 frees up a little bit of space. And I don't know. I would love to see Taylor Hall come back, but I don't know. We'll see. I, yeah, I guess we'll see. But yeah, so you know what? We... Let's 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 move into our next segment, which is kind of declaring the winners and losers uh, of this off season so far. Um, we've all kind of done our homework, done our picks, and uh, done our research. But Adam, let's start with you. Who who's your winner? Who's your who's your off season winner so far? Uh, so no surprise here. My winner is uh, the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they did a great job addressing their depth issues. They have a solid second line now and uh, solid third and fourth line as well um, with scoring threats throughout. Um, it's going to be a bit rough at the beginning of the season with um, Eric Cole, sorry, Eric Johnson and Ian Cole, both uh, Cole, probably. That's a yeah. <laughs> yeah. Both of them probably being injured. Uh, did that guy get paralyzed? Or something? No, he broke his vertebrae. Yeah, I think yeah. I think he yeah, we yeah, he played for the Oilers for a bit too. Yeah. Yeah, but uh yeah, they made quite a few moves uh, during the off season and uh I think they're a much better team uh, right now than they were going into uh the off season and for these reasons I am deeming them the winners of the off season. Okay. Uh in terms of the loser of the off season, um there's a few options. Um, Florida is definitely in the conversation, um, because of their, uh, contracts that, um, I didn't really agree with, but, uh, I touched on that last, uh, episode. So for this, I'm going to go with Winnipeg. Um, so the biggest thing that Winnipeg did that I didn't like was, uh, the Truba nothing. deal. <laughs> yeah. Truba deal and nothing. So I feel like they could have gotten more for Truba because he's very good and, they also did not do much to make their team better. So Winnipeg's not signing any free agents because no one wants to sign in Winnipeg and thus live in Winnipeg. The only way they're going to get players is by draft or through trades. So I don't know. I feel like seeing as it's pretty much the same team um, as last year, have they plateaued? Like, is this team's... um, maximum potential being uh being a first second round team i don't know i i think so like well one I thing just... i think you have to remember with with the jets sorry to cut you off here but is that they have a couple rfas that they still going to take care of right with yeah Tom that's Connor another thing for to Patrick concern yeah like maybe um, maybe they didn't make enough maybe they didn't make that many drastic moves because they didn't know how much cap space this would take up and um you know, I I think Patrick Lane is about to get paid way overpaid than he than he's worth. But. Yeah, cause he, he's very one dimensional. I feel, but yeah, like I I understand that, but like it's just I I feel like they could have used some of those players that um, maybe aren't being utilized as well as they could be. Like Jack uh, Roslovic, he could maybe be um, higher on the depth chart than he is right with, uh, with Winnipeg. Um, like a similar deal that happened with Kadri, like a three C that is maybe, um, could slide in onto the top six on some teams. So, um, and then they can address their, their defense, which isn't that great right now after that first pairing of Morrissey and Bufflin. So, yeah, I just, I, I didn't like the, the lack of, of moves that uh, Winnipeg made. So I think them and uh, Florida would be my losers. Okay. Kay, um, what about you? What, who's, who's, who are your winners and losers? Uh, yeah, so my my winner, actually, um, you're, you're probably happy about this, is, is the Edmonton Oilers. Like you said, <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a great uh, – it's, it's one of their better trades in the last five years. Um, they get – of course, James Neal in exchange for Milan Lucic and a conditional third round pick. And I don't think we went over the conditions, but it's actually kind of, it was an interesting yeah. condition. Interesting so condition, if James yeah. Neal records at least 21 goals and Lucic, Lucic scores less than 10 goals, 
That's if they, I think that's... I, th- I think it's ten less than Neil. I think that's what they. Oh, said. is it ten less than Neil? Yeah, okay. I think it's okay, ten sorry. less than Neil. Yeah. So yeah, but no, it's would... really really interesting terms, hey? Yeah, really. Mm. Yeah, quite interesting. So, um, I I think that Edmonton does does well there again. You have a player that yeah, he didn't have a great year last year, but he is a proven goal scorer, and and I think that he might bring something to that team. I know you said. Uh, even though they're deprived of offense, even though they do have the best player in the world, somehow they're still deprived of offense. I think Neil can help them with that. Now, that being said, that perfectly segues into who my loser is. My loser is actually the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, They have the best player in the world, and they are still worse than my Vancouver Canucks. It is baffling. I don't understand it. Um, <laughs> uh, again, sorry, Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid, both 100-point players. Not 50-point players, 100-point players. And they're still at the bottom of the league after all of these years. Um, I don't know when the next season of Oil Change is coming out, but uh, <laughs> should be soon. That's two straight episodes you've used that. <laughs> I love Oil Change. Oil Change was like the best show on TV, yeah, I, <laughs> especially I, I, for I, a Canucks fan. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, I think they, they are a winner, but overall, Edmonton is still a loser. Well, I, I'm not saying Edmonton's a bad city. I'm not trying to like piss off the people of Edmonton, but take an hour flight to Vancouver and see what it's like, and then go back to your city, and then <laughs> but you Kay, tell me. But, have you to remember, Kay, we have to remember, like, we're kind of rating the offseason moves. So what do you think about the Haas move? What do you think about the... Um, the the Marcus Granlin move, so um, Josh this, Archibald. This is like, what, what do I think of the Marcus Granlin move? Oh, okay. Um, These are all like nothing. <laughs> yeah, I I am kind of familiar with Marcus Granlin, so I I don't know. I I don't know if that was like the most incredible move. This is what yeah. I'm going to ask you though. This is how I'm going to respond to that, and it's a very simple question. Even with all of those moves, with the foreign guy that you don't like, um. With Marcus Granlin, <laughs> with James Neal. Yeah, Neil, you shit on him yourself. <laughs> with all of this. No, I, I don't mind. No, I don't mind the guy, but I'm not like, I don't want him no, to No, no, uh, Zane's sh- oh, shit Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Um, so this is I what just said, I'm I, not a fan of one player come overseas and try one and done kind of situation. But this, like is, this. this is my question. Because he's 27 years old. Overall, because yeah, okay. you're, you're trying to argue the point that they're not a loser because of their offseason acquisitions and deals do you think the edmonton oilers are competing for a playoff spot next year with these deals um yeah i, I think oh, I, I think okay. they are i think they are i just you know they would have been com- because been of these com- deals you think it's going to make them compete they would have been well, contending I, last year if uh tobias reader i i was just more goals damn it, you took that away <laughs> yeah. from me i was just gonna i was just gonna be like <laughs> Well, you see, you see, Josh Archibald is kind of an upgrade on, on Tobias Reader, I would hope. Um, Marcus Granlin as well. We think that he can kind of make a push and, and, and be a third line winger or a third line winger for um, for whoever's playing on that third line. She but... is gone too, so maybe that just changes say, everything. Yeah, thank God, thank God, that bonehead is gone. But see, James Neal will be making a <laughs> James Neal will be making up for hopefully the twenty goals that we missed on, in the top six. And Josh Archibald, hopefully 10, 10 goals that he like he put up last year, ten more than Tobias Reader put up last year. Um, and we're hoping some for some more offense from from Cassian and and from 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 Jujar Kaira. Jujar Kaira didn't really have the best offensive year last year, though he developed defensively. I think we'll be able to see a little bit more from his offensive um, side too. So I, I do think the Oilers will compete for a playoff spot next year. I don't think they'll make the playoffs again, which is quite sad, but I think they will compete. <clears throat> I think they'll be close, but if we do get into the playoffs, it's because it's because of our goaltending. <clears throat> I thought you were it's good that you're realistic. Of, <laughs> because of James Neal. Okay, anyways. No, I think it's because of the goaltending. And, and I think that's a fair point to make because Mike Smith is, is an experienced goaltender. He played really well in the last year, last year in the playoffs, and and when it matters most, I think he's he's able to step up and be that guy. That being said, if one guy is not playing well, cost we have another you know one A we have a one A one B system where cost who's uh, who's one A. To me, Koskinen starts the year as one A <clears throat> as one A. Sorry. Okay. That that's that's my opinion. Uh, I yeah. think Mike Smith will eventually. I think it'll it'll grapple back and forth between the two. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay, that's all for your losers. 
Yeah, that's, that's I think yeah. it's a pretty uh I think it's a pretty good good loser. Okay, well I'm gonna stick more to the transactions of the offseason and I think that the New Jersey Devils are this year's winners of the offseason so far. Um not only do they just select Jack Hughes, who is arguably um a generational talent, I would say. He they also acquired Wayne Simmons, who is a great power forward and who will be a great mentor to guys like Miles Wood. Jesper Bratt, John Hayden, too, as they all kind of play a similar type of game. And I think in the East, you don't really see many big heavy teams aside from Boston. And um, in that division, they're going to need a lot of help getting out of that division. And um, I think Wayne Simmons will provide that, um, that, that grit and that power play finesse in front of the net as well, too. Um, at the same time, they also got P.K. Subban, who is a, a huge upgrade on, on defense, I think, from what they were last year. Um, him playing along Sammy Vatanen. What the hell was that? <laughs> Adam, are you rats? opening a closet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Adam. <laughs> oh, Sounds like a dying seal. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, we'll cut that. Um I don't think we should. <laughs> Add some character. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, no, I think P.K. Subban um, will definitely help them upgrade their defense. And Connor Carrick, I think, was a good depth move on their D2. Connor Carrick played some good minutes with the, with the, with the Leafs. So he was a little bit more sheltered. I think Carrick will, uh, will be a good, will have a big impact alongside Will Butcher. What are you guys' thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think, uh, New Jersey's going to be a much better team, and uh, they can only go up from here, I guess. But uh, it'll be very annoying if they win uh, the draft the lottery, lottery again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taylor Halker. Okay, what do you guys say? Yeah, I just I agree with what you said. They they got a player in the draft who obviously I really wanted. Um, still have hope that one day the Hughes brothers will both be wearing Canucks blue. But uh, yeah, again, great upcoming players in Heesher and uh, and Hughes, and and yeah, I'm excited to see what they do for next season. Mm-hmm, for sure. Now, my losers are the Anaheim Ducks. Can I just jump because... in for a sec? If you were yeah. a true Edmonton yeah, Oilers fan, you would have said your loser is the Vancouver Canucks, despite me. But I guess, I guess, it's, I guess no, you're not. I'm... But I'm going purely off of hockey transactions. Yeah, but, <laughs> you, but a true you fan, more... a true fan goes off of emotions. True fan goes off of emotions. I'm not. A, I'm not a Zach Cassian. You get let the emotions get the best of me. I'm sorry. Are you dissing your own? Are you dissing Zach Cassian? Isn't that like your not, favorite player? You wrote an article on. Him. Not dissing Zach Cassian. He's one of my favorite players on the Oilers. Wouldn't their rivals be uh, Calgary than? Yeah, it's Vancouver. No, I'm I feel just like saying Vancouver's like a team no. that's like desperate to have a rival. No, like, I'm no just, one's really there. I think Van- and... once Seattle's there, I think Vancouver and Seattle. Are no, no, I'm there. saying it because I personally attacked his Edmonton Oilers. That's why I feel he should come back at me and attack my team. Well, I'm so well. well it's kind of sad, but I'm so used to all these Oilers attacks every day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's it's, true. No, I didn't mean it as Vancouver needs a rival in Edmonton. We actually like each other because we both mutually don't like Calgary. Um, yeah. I just meant just as on a personal note, I attacked your Oilers. I felt you should have attacked my Canucks back. But again, go go with go with Anaheim. Be professional, I guess. Yeah, no, Sorry. I, yeah. I I think I think the Ducks needed to do more this off season. I was quite disappointed with how with how they did nothing essentially. I think they were relying on their on their young guys to kind of come up and, and play a bigger role this year with uh, Sam Steele and Maxime Comtois as well. Um, I think Daniel Sprong was a great acquisition from them for them last year, uh, right before the trade deadline. But Dutch. yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, one of the rare Dutch players in the league. But I, yeah, I don't, I don't have much confidence in the Ducks in this year, especially they don't look like they'll be any better. They bought out Corey Perry, they lost a skilled winger up there, and Getzlaff's only getting older. And this this organization looks like it's losing a little bit of credibility. Um, and their top six as well too. Like Brian Getzlaff, Rich, uh, Ricard, Raquel, good players. But other than that, there's not much else there. So um, I think the Ducks could have addressed um, a hole on their third pairing D, D on their D pairings too. Um, they obviously gave away Brandon Montour last year, um, but uh, yeah, they gave away Sammy Vatanen the other year too. But I don't think they've really shored, shored that up since then. So. That's my thought on the Ducks. Those are my thoughts on the Ducks. Um, but yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, you brought up some good points there. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, their um, their D especially was really stacked, uh, and then they kind of got gutted by um, Vegas, and then uh, and then Montour, I guess. From uh, so they lost Theodore to Vegas, and then Montour to to Buffalo. So they're not uh, they're not as strong as they were. Right. Okay. Um, so if that's if that's it. Um... We're going to conclude our episode right here. Stay tuned for the next Basement Hockey episode. Um, see you later, guys. Uh, hopefully Thank we'll you. have some more action uh, for you listeners in the upcoming future before the, off- before the season starts. Yeah, thanks for listening. Great. Yeah, thank you.